Hey folks, welcome to the Ask a Billionaire podcast. This podcast is presented by Enigma Mastery Group with the goal to teach people how to think like a billionaire and then act on those thoughts like a billionaire. My name is John Lee and I co-host this podcast along with my business partner and mentor, the recluse billionaire, Mr. O. Now, if you don't know what being a recluse means, it means that Mr. O left public life years ago and his anonymity and privacy are very important to him. And the name Mr. O itself is a pseudonym. At the time of this recording, Mr. O has a net worth of over $11 billion in assets, including 48 profitable businesses and about 150 square miles of land across the globe, much of it being oceanfront and beachfront property. Now, the analysis and advice that Mr. O will share comes from the context of the 13 standards of knowledge, which are the skills that Mr. O has identified that, over the years, allowed him to acquire the wealth that he has today. You can find a link to the video of the 13 standards of knowledge in the description for this episode. I highly encourage you to check it out. And if you get value out of today's episode, be sure to rate us, review us, and share the episode with others. John, as you know, a series of questions have come in over a period of time concerning businesses, what I look for when I buy a business, or if I'm going to sell a business, what are the different aspects of it? The businesses I've required over a period of time are, are as a result of me doing a major land deal, and the businesses are ancillary. However, in the negotiation of these businesses, taking a forensic look at their bottom line and not what people tell me, but what they report to the IRS. There's always two things in every instance that I've seen. People say, oh, I'm doing this, and uh, but this is my IRS thing. So I only go by the IRS thing. So in looking at any business, I look at the standards of knowledge and number seven, the second sentence, what can I do in that business to make it a lot better? than it is. And I really don't like to own businesses, but if they're there and I get them virtually free, I'll own them, run them, sell them, etc. And while I have the ability to fund any project I want to fund myself for the sake of the TV reality show and teaching people how to raise money from scratch themselves, that's what I do. In the process of working with Joe King and the Revival Brothers and John Lee and other people and our law firms in raising money, I've done a lot of research. Remember this, folks. Everything you do, constantly do research about it, read it, do an analysis. For those of you who are followers of the standards of knowledge, you know that you can do a power source goal worksheet quite often. And the revisiting of your spreadsheet and your power source goal worksheet will add new things that you need to do and give you new epiphanies and new inspiration. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, we have a system in the standards of knowledge with Enigma, and that is that people go through a power source goal worksheet. It's just a guide. It keeps your mind in track. It keeps what you're doing in track. And when you work with that in a spreadsheet, it actually tells you what to do. It's a mathematical type thing. It just tells you what to do. Getting back to this, in looking at the arenas that exist for raising money, whether it be a private offering, whether it be just a, a private thing with your parents and a few friends or an LLC where you're raising money and you just file, you don't have to register anything. The different ways of raising money and talking to people, I see that one of the prevalent things is that so many people get screwed so much of the time, it's unreal. That's what you hear. When you try to get money from someone, well, I, I need to check this out and I need to vet it because there's so many scams going on and I've lost money and things just aren't good. So then I looked for the threads, the common threads involved in that. And I constantly watch a show called American Greed. 
and I watch America's Most Wanted, and I watch I Almost Got Away With It, and all those kind of things, because there is the place where it's easy access to scams and frauds that have been committed, and people ended up in prison. And I'm always curious as to why people invested in them in the first place. Now, one of the main things that people like to do, oh, I know this guy, he's a friend of mine, and it's great. One common thread in almost 90% of the ones that you see on American Greed is that they make friends with people and, oh, I really like you and I'm caring for you and everything else. And they trust them and then they invest. They did it with Bernie Madoff. Oh, they checked with the New York Stock Exchange. He sat on the board. Everything is good. They would tell him there can't be anything bad. And of course, everybody knows that it was a major Ponzi scheme, one of the largest ones in the world. Not the largest now, but one of the largest in People don't know how to vet a deal. Now, when it comes time to vet a deal, they make another mistake. Well, I'm with so-and-so financial organization. I get a, a statement each month. So what? They get the statement. They can put anything they want on it. And off, in all instances, in the scams, that's what they do. It's a false statement. They lie. Oh, I bought this stock. I bought that stock. You've got this. You're making 8% roll over your money or 20% or 50%, whatever it is. And that's a common thread where people... They trust that and they lose. So what I'm getting at here is what are the things I look for when I'm buying a business or to make it stronger? And I look for every negative I can find and seeing that negative of what people are doing. Number one, trusting the wrong people. Number two, trusting reports that are sent to them in the mail. I've set up a system now that I think is going to be great. Now, it doesn't matter who it is, but John and I spoke with an individual yesterday who is quite obviously well-seasoned in reaching out to accredited investors and raising money. Would you agree, John? I agree. Yes, he is. The guy knows what he's doing. <clears throat> he was in shock when I told him a few things that I would do. He was talking about the numbers game. How many people, if you make so many calls, you know, 300 calls, what, an hour or 300 a day or something like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm about to say generally a day is what that looks like. Okay. 300 calls in a day. Well, I'd go nuts sitting there doing that. But at any rate, people do that. And then they might get three or four good leads out of it. So I made a statement to the guy. I said this. If you could tell them and then send them something from a law firm that says all of the collateral statements or all of the statements that we make here are truth and correct. If you find that they are not, we have an insurance policy in the amount of $1 million with so-and-so, Lloyds of London or whoever it happens to be, and we will pay you. We'll actually give you $5 million from this guy or lose my law license if anything is not correct. The guy immediately understood. He said, oh, yeah, that's going to perk him right away. So the answer to the questions are this. I look for the negatives and why people don't do things. We have a manufacturing company. Why do we have trouble getting parts sometimes? Well, that's obvious, you know, from China and other places, but even here from the United States that we've got, you know, stamped out parts and stuff. It's just simple things that they make, but stamped out parts and things like that. How do we keep our inventory and our supplies? What does it cost to keep the inventory per month? And how much do we have to keep? Do we overdo it or underdo it? Some of the things we do just before the Christmas season, you know, starting now, even you have to prepare for the Christmas season, obviously. And then... It's the selling of it, the marketing of it. So you've got all these factors involved in it. In every one of them, bifurcate and look for the strongest negatives you can find. I tell you this, the stronger the negative, 
the stronger the positive. End of story. If you can solve a negative, it makes it good. Think about this. You're a potential investor. Someone calls you and says, you'll get a letter from a law firm before we talk, and you'll sign a non-disclosure agreement. And all of the statements we make will be truth and fact. We'll put them in writing, so there's no misunderstanding. There's a clear meeting of the minds. If any are proven false, we owe you $5 million and we're going to lose our law license, and we have an insurance policy. Our insurance policy right now is only for a million, but you would get that for sure, and then we would owe you the rest, or we would go out of business. That fosters a trust that's unbelievable. What law firms would do that? For a twenty-five or a fifty or a hundred or two hundred thousand dollar investment, they won't. They won't do it. Well, some of them, I guess, would. They're fraudulent lawyers and stuff. So that ups the ante. That means that when the person is calling these accredited investors, they're going to get a lot more of them. A higher percentage rate. They're going to say, "I'm just curious enough. I got to see this." Now, if you call someone and you say to them, "I'm going to give you a super high rate of return," it scares most people off. You're going to get 100% or 200% right away. Well, that's going to be fraud. That can't happen. But if, in fact, and in reality, if you have a project that let's suppose that one one hundredth of 1% of the land you own, you can put up for collateral and get all the money you need for the project. But that one hundredth of 1%, the yield on that can give people a very high rate, one, two, or 300%. If it's couched in a way where that's just 100 to 1%, they almost feel like they should get more. So the question of the high rate of return is gone, and it becomes another question. They actually want more, but they're very satisfied with what they're getting. John and I was able to contract for over $30 million worth of property, or close to it anyway, over a period of 18 months, I think, to be able to use for a period of a couple of years each and not have to pay a dime. And if we didn't do anything with them, we had no financial obligation. Now. These people signed the contracts right away when we talked to them. We had realtors doing it. We had other people doing it. It worked out fine. In business, what most people miss that are in business is the fact that, okay, I come out of Wharton or I came out of whatever college you came out of. Work your plan, plan your work. Here's what all the rules and regulations are. And here's what's standard in the industry. If one desires to become a billionaire, and of course, the name of this podcast is Ask a Billionaire. If one desires or aspires to become a billionaire, you're not going to do it making two or three or four or five percent. It's not going to happen. Is it rare? People like Elon Musk, people like, and I'm trying to think of the guy's name, that buys bad businesses and sells them. I talk about him all the time. Icon. Carl Icon. Carl Icon. Exactly. That guy's making a fortune. And John, I want you to chime in with me here. Tell me, John Lee here had run the largest Real estate investment network in the state of Nevada for a time called the Outhouse or the Outback Real Estate Investment Network. <laughs> He's also seen, worked with a lot of our clients. Some we like, some we don't. What are some of the common threads that you see, John, that are missing in people? Of course, it's the standards of knowledge, but the common threads that are missing in people concerning this statement. Think like a billionaire and act on those thoughts like a billionaire. What are the common threads that are missing that cause people to just go into the quagmire of an everyday or an every year $300,000 business? So a couple off the top of my head is one, not being able to think outside of the box or not being able to come from a different paradigm in whatever industry that it is that they operate in. And 
I believe that the biggest innovators in the world always change the paradigm in which the industry they operate in works through. But at the same time, you also have people that can do, and you've heard me say this many times before, the most boring businesses in the world or the most mundane services or products in the world and become billionaires off of them because of the scale at which they do them because there's always a demand. So the biggest thing is people can't think outside the box. They can't think outside of what they consider traditional business or how it should be run. And so that's one big thing. The other thing is people think too small and we use Elon Musk, whether you love him or hate him, however you feel about him, Elon Musk has the ability to think big right out the gate. Jeff Bezos for Amazon, he started with books, but he realized from the get-go that he wanted to dominate e-commerce because he saw that's where things were going. And so the ability to think large than just what this business, and I'm making a box square with my fingers, what it's supposed to be, that is something that a lot of people, I think, get wrong in terms of not being able to think like a billionaire, therefore act like one. So that's just too bad. Right. Susan Roebuck, they've been around for years, making a lot of money, big box store, along comes Bezos and other online services, and they don't make the changes and they start riddling and they start closing stores across the United States and they start going out of business. You have to change and you have to grow on a constant basis. Your goals will change and grow constantly, and you have to understand why. And that's because of innovative thinking. That's because of competition. And so constantly, I'm on the change in every business aspect I work with. I just am. Now, what we're doing, we have clients who their time is taken up so much, I have to meet them at 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night. They're just killing themselves. Myself, I take a few naps a day because of my age. But in addition to that, my main goal at the end of the TV reality show is to work four hours a day, one day a week, sitting on the back of the yacht, having fun doing it. And I will accomplish that. There'll be no question about it. For those of you who don't know, look up online for Elon Musk five-minute rule. See what he does. He takes five minutes to make a decision. Of course, sometimes he'll go over if it's pertinent, but it takes five minutes or less to make a decision. For people who've been our clients for many years, you remember early on when I've told you, okay, we got three minutes to make a decision. We're going to pick a name for a corporation. You, you worked at it for two weeks. Just pick a name. Who cares? Pick a name and get it over with. Move on, do something else. So the ability to make those decisions uh, is extremely valuable. Now, I, John, I've never said this before, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I disagree with Elon Musk. Of course, I'm probably a loser here, but I disagree with him on. And that is, he says, because I work 80 110, 120 hours, I'm going to get further ahead than a lot of people. I disagree with that. I'm like him. I do like to work long hours, but not because of that. I just don't want Alzheimer's at my age. That's why I do it. And I really don't work that many hours because I'll go in and lay down for an hour or two, two or three times a day or a half hour or whatever. I'll walk out in the backyard and walk around and look at birds taking a shit, stuff like that. So I guess that'll be edited out, I imagine. No, I'm keeping that one in there. Nailed that. All right, good. It's true, though. It's the truth. All right. So at any rate, I disagree that you need to work that many hours. I think that it could burn you out. Now, apparently he has got a super mind that I don't understand. And a lot of people do that. But wouldn't it be nice to have the most valuable asset you have? And that's your wife or your children. Unless you're like me and you have no children or no wife or no boyfriend or no 
no family around or anything else. You can spend the time, but if you have a family and your children are going to have children and this type of thing, the most valuable thing you can have, and I've got some assets, the most valuable thing you can have is your family. I mean, it really is. And your health and your mental health. It is. And I just disagree about working that many hours a day and that many hours a week. I think that uh, life is great. I think there's a good learning experience. And I think that it's your passion. If that's his passion, that's fine. But if your passion was deep sea fishing, you could make money out on the boat deep sea fishing all the time. I think one of the things that I have gathered concerning the 13 standards, concerning power source school worksheet, think like a billionaire and acting on those thoughts is there's nothing wrong with the initial grind. And I'll say it like that because when you're getting a business off the ground, I'm not saying work your fingers to the bone and work to death, but work smart, but not hard. Put in the hours to create what you're going to create, but it's not the end all be all. You don't be so sucked into the business that you can't work on the business or think outside the business. And I think one of the biggest things, just like Mr. O said, is Elon Musk, he's running multiple businesses. I mean, there was times where he was sleeping in the office or whatever, when he was at Tesla, getting things off the ground. Completely understand that there are some ups and downs with Tesla and he had to do what he had to do at the same time. Everybody has the ability to come up with a plan, come up with an idea, a concept and put it into play without killing themselves. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't quite understand. I will give an example. I don't know if Mr. Rose ever heard this term just generationally. There's a thing out there. I think everybody's or everybody, at least my age and younger is aware of It's called hustle culture, quote unquote, hustle culture. And the idea of, I got to work hard because that's what all these other people that are supposedly successful are doing. When I say work hard, meaning I got to work 12, 18 hour a day and I got to think about nothing else and be completely obsessed over it. There's nothing wrong with obsession. And then I got to show it to everybody. So everybody knows how hard I'm working. So it's not needed. It really isn't the ability to come up with a plan, have a concept, come up with the plan and let it bring financial fruit to you, you don't have to kill yourself to do it. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the boat and think I have to do it like this. And that's not the case. It might be easier than you think. It's just a matter of how much you use your mind and how well you conceptualize this. Sir. Most successful people I've met in my life. And one of them was early on. And right now I can't remember who he was. It was in Rio de Janeiro. I've told John the story several times. I used to go around and rent a dinghy and just go around and meet people on yachts and stuff. I did that to meet people and it worked. And then I would chat with people and all this kind of thing. But everything that happens in this world, every patent, every copyright, everything starts from a thought. It starts from a thought. And we go back in time. The first artists, I guess, were cavemen doing hieroglyphics and stuff in caves and this type of thing many, many years ago when I was a kid. Now, it's a matter of expressing themselves, but in this day and age right now, the people I know, and they're a lot smarter than I am, trust me, because I do work. You don't even have to work. They got their passion. They're on the back of the yacht or sitting in the back of their jet, flying out to go to an event or something, and they come up with an idea or a concept and they make it work. Comes to mind now a story about a guy, and I can't think of who it is, and I may as we're talking here. He started out and he had a small hotel, then he got two hotels, but what he would do to make the hotel work is he would actually clean the rooms himself. You know, it was a small motel at the first, his parents had it. And there was, I think 12 or 15 rooms. He would do everything, everything to save the money for the maids and all this kind of stuff. And 
because of the thriftiness of this guy, he's now in a major motel chain, a hotel chain. There are different views of this. Some people look at him and say he obviously didn't have the intellectual capacity or his hotel wasn't making enough money to even afford to pay a maid that he had to bring himself down to the point to do the maid's work. It's unbelievable. If he listens, I'll have fun with him. I'm not going to mention his name, but we have an associate. He is the patriarch of a law firm in Utah, and he's out there running backhoes because and, and, they're building a building and he's loading trucks and all this kind of stuff. Well, those guys make 30, 40 bucks an hour or something like that. An attorney makes four or $500 an hour. Really puts to question to mind unless he loves getting out there, getting filthy on that freaking backhoe with all that diesel sucking into the cab and dust, wind blowing and all this kind of stuff and hot and cold and all this sort of thing, whatever the days are, makes you wonder. It really does. So no matter what you do, know this. There will be different opinions. I don't care if you make a bunch of money doing something one way, there will be people who like it and others who don't. You must have a passion and you must do things how it fits for you. I'm getting ready to kick the bucket sometime in the future here. I'm in my twilight years. I know that. But at any rate, I do things my way. Now, it might offend John or other people sometimes, but I'm the one that made the money. It's my shit. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to do it my way. You want to look at other people and what they do, but you do not want to listen to other people. Now, I have made the statement, and John, this is something for you too. I've always said, I don't. I'll listen to you, but I might not follow what you say because you don't make more than I do. You know, if somebody is more accomplished than I am, I'll listen to them. But that statement isn't even true all the time. You want to listen to your freaking self. You want to listen to what you feel. And if it turns out to be wrong, then you're going to learn from it and you're going to grow. Every person of my ilk will tell you, if they had an hour to talk to you, the best knowledge they can impart to you is to talk about the failures or the close to failures they've had. You'll see it in books. See it on the internet. That's the way it is. I want to tell you something. Learn to make decisions for yourself. Now, these standards of knowledge weren't put together solely by me. They're put together by three other fellows, and they're, they go by the pseudonym Mr. O. But these standards of knowledge are a guideline. There's other books out there, and there's other systems out there that do work for people. But these standards of knowledge work for me, and they work very well. In the arena that we're talking about now, setting up and raising funds, I guarantee you, I'm going to be able to kick the big houses. I don't care if it's Dean Witt or whoever, I think we'll be able to build a cadre of investors that will invest in us before they will the big ones. And there's one reason why, oh, excuse me, there's many reasons why, but the main reason why is this, because we have the ability to take number seven in the standards of knowledge and whatever business it is and make it better and make it more fruitful. If we can do that and prove it and have that track record, they're going to go with us before they go with anyone else. Because every deal we have We'll incorporate the standards of knowledge. We'll be successful and make more money than others. I saw recently a story on the news about a colonel from the Air Force who started a survival camp. He now has them in several states, and they're doing well. They charge 10000 entry fee and $1,000 a month per person. So if you've got a six-family member, that's 6000 a month. So you've got to be making good money to want to pay you that extra for your entertainment that but he's doing it and looking at the way he built his camps and his business uh, it sucks because the way that we have designed it here in enigma is on some of our bunkers we can actually make 57,000 percent i'm not going to go into detail now to, to, to tell you that but most people would say oh that's impossible it's got to be a scam or whatever the case is but no it doesn't 
Uh, again, Manhattan sold for 23 or $26, whatever it was. And now it's worth over $1,000. I think it's worth $3 trillion or something like that. Yeah, sir. I, if you don't mind, I'm going to chime in here just so people don't misunderstand what you say. Because they might think 57,000% net profit off of selling one bunker, and that's not necessarily the case. It's being able to acquire land at a price that once we put bunkers on there and sell them, you end up coming out to a 57,000%, which is a lot of people can't wrap their head around, net profit off of the land and the acquisition and the cost. So that's, that's the point. So. Well, it's a combination of the land, but in the sanctuary up there, we were going to own all the land and sell the bunkers. And, but the thing is, think about this, uh, John, for a minute. We got the land at, what, 2,600 an acre, 2,200? $2, $2,800 an acre. If we would have had to pay 10000 an acre, it still would have worked. It still would have made a fortune, would have made right. good money. Right. It is the, John is correct, you, you do have the land tied to it and everything else, but what I'm trying to say, the real value is in the concept of what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess a lot of you out there have heard of Starlink, something that Elon Musk is doing. I noticed yesterday, to me, I don't know what the difference is if you're on a yacht or if you're sitting in the land. I don't know if you have a hookup, but the hookup for the yacht is $5,000 a month. <laughs> I saw that yesterday. Significant. The hookup, the hookup for the land is $30. Right. I guess because the yacht's moving, I don't know. Or just because, hey, you've got a yacht, this is what I want. <laughs> it could be it too. They could pay. Sure. So it's how we think. And I'm telling you now, we have some clients, some of them we think are nutbags. But I think that there's a lot of people that think Elon's nuts. Like he, they're claiming he could lose a billion dollars because he's turning the Twitter thing down now. I don't think he's going to have to pay anything. But there's some attorneys that are thinking he's going to have to pay the million dollars, the billion dollars he agreed to pay should he step out of the contract. And that's a legal issue. But what I'm trying to say is that you don't want to be concerned about people thinking you're crazy or not crazy or whatever. We've got some people that are, I believe, are never going to make it because they won't listen to me. But if they did listen to me, as crazy as they are, somehow they could take the thought process of being crazy and turn it into something that's good. But the point is this, you have to have a passion with what you're doing. And if you have the right concept to it, you can take two kinds of businesses and you can make a fortune. NASA, four years, worked from taxpayers' money and just spending it. It's all coming in. They weren't earning anything. They were spending it. Along comes Musk, along comes Ransom and other people. They not only get contracts from NASA, but they're, they're going to make money and they are making money with SpaceX. So no matter what you've got or where it's at, you can either lose money or make money depending on how you think about it. So. True. One of the things that I've observed, and sir, I'm sure you can understand this, whether they paid for consulting at 10,000, 25,000 or 50,000, no matter how much money people are paying to, for the knowledge and the guidance, they, a lot of them can't get out of their own way, period. There are times I can't get out of my own way. The point is that what hangs people up are often the things that are internal. John, if you could get out of your own way, you wouldn't be working with me. You'd be working with someone decent. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> so my whole point is that 
when it comes to thinking like a billionaire, when it comes to taking a concept and taking it from the thought to fruition, a lot of people have their own hangups or have their own paradigm or they almost turn myopic in a way. And even though somebody else can tell them, Hey, this is what's limiting you, or these are the things that you need to change. Often some folks just won't listen, period. They just won't. And it's an internal hangout. I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, but people have their own mental hangups and those are the things that they have to work through. So when you talk about self-help and working on yourself or investing in yourself and how you think and what things look like, that's a very, a very real thing that a lot of people can't wrap their head around. I'll go back to the conversation I had before. People think too small. When it comes to people thinking too small, there's a certain point in time where I believe that money becomes so, uh, an amount of money in your mind becomes so abstract that it doesn't seem attainable. And it's because you don't have a relative understanding of how much money that is or what it does for you. Let me try to clarify that for those that didn't quite understand what I said. If you never made $100,000 a year, it's hard for you to imagine what it would be like to make $500,000 a year because you don't have a relative understanding of what that will do. If you've only made 50 or 60,000, you don't have a relative understanding of what 500,000 will do for you because you've never seen it. It's abstract. You might think you do, but really that you don't and you can't conceptualize it. Therefore, imagine having 5 million, 100 million, 500 million, a billion. A lot of people can't wrap their head around that. That goes down to number one, the standards of knowledge and, you know, what your mind can conceptualize, how big you can think. And that is something that I think a lot of people are missing. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I've got a thought. I'm an old man. So I got a thought here. I want to make a statement. The harder you work, the more difficult it is. And the more difficult your life is, the less you make. Think about this. The person that's just coming off of welfare, that gets a job at McDuck's or Jack and the King or whatever these places are, food place, fast food. All right. So the person who works there works eight or 10 hours a day. They probably have to walk to work or take a bus takes three or four times as long as the other person to get there. They can't pay their wages so or their rent. So they got, a, they got a room share with two or three people in an apartment. Then they got to put up with all that crap. And they're so stressed out, they can't work or can't work anything. The guy who makes 10 million a year is sitting on the back of a yacht. He's sitting in a lounge chair and he's being served hors d'oeuvres. And he's enjoying a nice movie. And he's making 5000 an hour while he's doing it. It just is the difference of how someone thinks. That's it. If somebody, you could take someone like myself, and I'm worth over $3. I'm worth a lot. All right. A lot of money. I'm a billion. And I could go out and I could get a job at McDonald's. Well, I don't think they'd hire me the way I look because I got long scraggly hair and stuff. But I could get a job at McDonald's if I cleaned up and brushed my tooth and all that kind of stuff and wiped my forehead and everything. So I could get that job. The guy working at McDonald's could also get my job. Every single one of us was born with the same gray math, save for a child prodigy or someone with special needs. A person like we could stop right now and go in, it would take a little bit of time, but we could learn how to serve coffee and donuts and all that kind of stuff. If you've ever seen a hidden boss, whatever it is, or they got where the boss comes in and people don't know who he is and 
He's one yeah. cover boss. So he's out there going in into the business and he doesn't know how to do certain things or he realizes this is hard work. I've seen undercover bust a couple of times where guys in the factory unloading stuff. He's a, wow, I don't, I didn't realize these guys have to work that hard. The mindset of a person, once you have an epiphany or you realize something can make all the difference in the world and you can learn to have those epiphanies. I have had such a tough time in being satisfied with the way I'm teaching the standards of knowledge. I'm not satisfied that a whole new paradigm exists. Now we will have our businesses or through Mr. O's law. I'm doing a major thing with law firms through Mr. O's law. We'll go into a company instead of me trying to teach that company, the standards of knowledge for 10 or 25 or $50,000. I will do a transactional case for them, meaning that my attorneys will do the legal work and we'll add on a new product or whatever the case is. And I'll tell them I want to have for my services, but I'm going to make you 300,000 in the process. It's the same thing, John, if we went back and we would have went to some major developer before we started this thing about showing people how we could get $30 million worth of land, and we would have done that and got the land for them. We could have got two or 300,000 for that. Guaranteed. If we did that again, we could get two or 300,000 upfront to do that. Set it in the escrow and say, if we can't do it, we'll give it back. But if we can do it, here's what we're doing for people to learn that. So it's not what we do. We go to work and we're serving coffee and we're putting cups away or whatever the case is. The guy on the back of the yacht is serving himself some coffee or his wife. They're doing the same thing. It's how you think. Nothing but how you think. You can step out of the ghetto or you can step out of your work or you could step out of the box and think like a billionaire and act on it. And so the question is, how do I get there? Okay, that sounds good. I'm fairly successful now. I'm making 80,000 a year, 100,000 a year. What do I need to do to get from this point to the point that I'm thinking, acting on the thoughts and becoming a billionaire? What, what is it? Well, you have to have experiences which generate epiphanies. I believe that you can read all the books in the world. Now, let me ask you this. Okay. Take one of your friends who's never flown a plane before. Take another friend who's never done heart surgery before. And take another friend who's never even been in a medical school and they can read all the books in the world. And would you have them after they read all the books in the world, get in an airplane and fly you somewhere? I don't think so. I don't know. Would you have them, would you have them work on your heart, heart surgery? No. Nope. Would you have them drill in your teeth? No. You have to have the experience and the epiphany. So what you want to do, and then this is what the standards of knowledge teaches us to do. And John, you know, even you in the past, you don't do it so much now, but you say, well, there's a constant change. There's constant change. Hell, yes, there is. I do that sometimes a couple times an hour. I'll be working on something like we're working on raising these funds. And I literally now am going to get people. I've told you before, we put ads, we're looking for them. We're going to find people who are registered with the SEC, save all that time and hassle and pay them well and take our system. And I think we'll kick the big money house's ass. I really do. I really do. Because of number seven. And folks, just so that you're aware of it, I have over 150 square miles of property around the globe, most of a beachfront property. I know what I'm talking about. I have boots on the ground at this second today in another country working on a project that was stolen from me that I'm going to get back and make a fortune because it happened, because I'm doing a film about it and I'm going to be compensated and punitive damages, et cetera. It goes on and on. So. I know what I'm talking about. So what you want to do is don't be afraid to make a mistake. Guy goes out, he sets up a blind company. He's making blinds for houses, right? He worked for another company for a while. He understands how to do it. He gets money from his aunt and his uncle. And he goes out and he says, well, there's two things. I got to build blinds and I got to sell them. 
that's what he's looking at, what he's got to do. Well, what's his exit strategy? Why couldn't he do a franchise and have a blind company in every state in the United States and in every major city, 250 major cities, if he only made $100 a day or $500 a day from each one of those in 250 cities? And so you look at expanding or growing or thinking in a different way, act. As long as you don't break the law, act. If it costs you a few bucks, it's well worth the experience. Well worth it. I'm old. I'm eccentric. And I had a project once where I offered a million dollars in cash. I took it to the place. I got it from the bank. It took several days to get it. And they gave me a challenge to sell dog poo. And I did. Of course, it was through fundraisers. Now, on my own, I paid one guy $500 to have his dog take a dump on the standards of knowledge. I'll make money from that. What I want to tell people is this. You can make money from the shittiest business out there. <laughs> no pun, well, there is a pun intended. You can make money from the crappiest business out there. You really can. Making money is, once you know how to do it in a big way, what you want to do is do it with your passion. That's what you want to do. If it's making movies, if it's just talking to people, me, it's talking to people. When you get old like me, you can't do much else. So you, you can talk to people. And, and so you use your passion. And once you know, once people realize, John, like this thing I'm doing here with the doggy poo, and I'm going to have it put in a, a box and gold plated and it could be worth $10, $20 million at some point. Now, I know you may not believe it this time and other people, but the reason people think I'm sick, but the reason I do stuff like that is to let you know that you could be flying along in a small plane over a field and as a test to someone, and me and my friends do this now and then, not in a small plane, but as a test to someone, you could look down and say, there's an old shack there. I'm going to buy that shack and then I'm going to sell it and make a fortune. Now, I lease a helicopter and fly down the beach and I see a piece of beachfront property I like and I follow the road to the house in another country, in third world country, and I talk to the owners and I work something out within a day or two where I actually own a major thing. And to a farmer in a third world country, they can't grow anything in the sand. They don't like the salt water. They just, it, it, the waves come in and it's just not good. They're there and that's it. And so for me, I would like to build a high rise right on the top of that sand. So he can go ahead and have his fields inland and grow his crops and I'll build my stuff in the sand. You have to understand how other people think and you always want to do a win-win. It's just, it's really fun. And I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth here a little bit, but the main thing today that I want to get across to is this. How does a billionaire think? Well, he must think in large sums of money or he wouldn't have a billion dollars or more. He must think in making things happen without even being there. Now, Elon Musk shows up at Tesla on Saturdays and other days. He worked, I think, three days, puts in 40 hours at Tesla and hours at different places from what my understanding is anyway from the stuff you find on the internet. But the point is, he could be elsewhere around it. All the things that have developed in the early stages of Tesla, like John said, he would sleep on the floor, work on the transmission or on a design or work at SpaceX, work on something. He could, here's a story there. He couldn't find engineers. Talk about having an epiphany. Excuse me, please. Talk about having an epiphany or awareness. He wanted to find engineers. All the good engineers wouldn't even talk to him about building rockets. They didn't want to talk to him because it sounded so far out. The ones that did want to talk to him weren't worth anything. That wanted to work for him. 
So he decided, I'll engineer my own rockets. And you see what he's doing. He, he really is. He's made pop bottle firecrackers, all kinds of stuff. I'm teaching, but he's made, uh, that just made me think about that flame tour. I still don't know what that was about. But at any rate, he's done exceedingly well with SpaceX. So what I'm trying to say is that you take a look at what you're doing, take a look at your business, and try to be innovative, even if you don't understand how to be. You would write down on a sheet of paper, okay, let's, last year I made $500,000. I want to make $2 million next year. What do I need to do in that business to make the $2 million? So you write that down at the top and you start breaking it down. How much do I have to make a week? Now, if you're going to take home $2 million, the company's probably got to make $10, $12, $15 million. So you're looking at it you're saying, how, you just start breaking it down to the finest point. How much an hour I spend and what do I need to do? Then... What do I do during that hour to cause other people to make that money? And you'll have epiphany, stuff I can't even tell you about now until I do it. You won't know it. You won't be aware of it until you practice it. Then it will become an epiphany and an awareness. That's just the way it is. You have to go out and try those new things. I, one, of the, yeah, one of the things I was going to bring up associated with that is, and again, if you've listened to us for any length of time, you've heard me harp on this all the time, is that people don't look past the surface or don't look any deeper past the surface for the most part on whatever idea that they have. Mr. Rowe was talking about specifically breaking down the numbers to the point where you get the income that you want. Now, whether you look at your business in terms of your net profit for the business or your income that comes out of the business, however you want to break it down, whatever works for you. But either way, a lot of people come up with an idea and they want to know if it's feasible, but they don't really dig past just the initial surface level of the idea or maybe one or two levels below that. So if you have an idea for whatever it is, it's a product, a service, a location or something, whatever it is, a lot of people, they won't go down into the numbers. They won't do the research to break down what potential costs could be here or there, they don't, a lot of times people don't do the digging of the details to make sure they're at least on the right track or in the ballpark. And because of that, they don't take it to fruition. The deeper that you can think upon the concept that you're coming up with or the business that you're coming up with, the better off you are. And Mr. Rowe taught me this a while ago, the more complete your vision is for your business, that you're putting together since we disinitiated concerning about businesses. The more complete your vision is, the more you understand where the money is coming from and what it's being spent on. And the better you understand all of that, i.e. the more complete your vision is, the easier it is for you to sell any investor for the money coming in, period. Sir. I just realized something. It's a good analogy here. Every one of you out there over time has heard the following, somebody was in a business, or they were walking through a field, or an idea just came to them. You, you know what I'm talking about, John. Mm -hmm. You read it all the time. That idea came to them about, like Rockefeller, he's out there and he's drilling holes and oil's coming out and it's going all over the land. There's so much being wasted. And he thought, wait a minute, what I need to do is if I can refine it, I'm going to make more money. Let the other guy go through that. I'll just do the refining. Then he comes down the road and then he gets involved with all these other people 
and their trains and all this stuff and Frick and Carnegie and all these people. And then he has a problem where hauling the oil to the refinery is a big thing. So then clear back at the beginning of time, he does the first pipeline. Rockefeller does. He says, trades don't work. This is what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm telling you. All of, the, of these, like when, one more example. Years ago, when steel was first manufactured, that was when I was about 300 years old that they discovered steel. And they started manufacturing. It was so costly, they could just make forks and knives and spoons and small amounts of it. A guy by the name of Bessemer in Europe, Germany, came up with a process. Now, to make a steel rail for a railroad would take two weeks. Two weeks. We can know that I only know this by watching the film and stuff, but of course, but he came up with a process in 15 minutes. He could make it. That's when the boom started, and that's when Carnegie Steel started, and that's when they making the steel, and then all we started doing high rises. That's when all that stuff started. And it came from Bessemer, found a way to take the impurities out of making the steel, the process, a lot quicker by pumping air in and something else. I don't know what it was. I don't really understand. But all I'm saying is you've heard where people they just they have an idea that they want to that they just become aware of it well people say that happens once in a lifetime where it's very rare but if you get in the habit of trying to think of things and that's why john this well this blonde i'm talking about that works with us it's a nutcase this guy he is so nutty it's unreal but if he could put his thoughts in a certain way he could come up with something that's phenomenal it really works I guarantee you, Elon Musk on many, many videos will tell you when he first started out, nobody would invest in Tesla. Wait a minute. In Silicon Valley, you're going to build cars? You do that in Detroit. Electric cars? Come on. Now, all of a sudden, Chevrolet, Volt, and everybody else is jumping behind it. And now it's going to turn it into where that's what it's going to be in the future. There will be very few fossil fuel cars, I believe, at some point in time. So what I'm saying is, how can you be one of those people and who come up with these ideas? I'm one of them, and that's why I have the assets I have. Now, I'm not near as good as Musk and some of these other people, but I have the idea. Now, what you do is you constantly work your mind to have ideas. Instead of reading, reading other people's books, seeing other people's movies, it's good to watch the stuff, but go out and make your own. Do your own thing. Be your own person. Try new stuff. Look for stuff. Play the game with yourself. Have you ever heard of a guy named Needham? No. I think he created Southwest Airlines. I think he, he created several airlines. He just created another new one. Needle him or need him, whatever his name is. I've seen documentaries about him for a long time. Uh, he created one in South America. He created one in Mexico. He gets the up created, and, then, and they fire his ass. Yeah, the guy that created JetBlue. Understood. Yeah, JetBlue, yeah. He, he creates them, raises all the money, gets them to making money and everything else. So he gets in the corporation and they fire his ass like they did jobs. Myself. People have asked me over the years, look, why, Mr. O, why don't you do an IPO? Why don't you go on the market? You, this could be great on the stock market. I'm not going to get fired. I don't need that shit. First of all, I got enough money anyway, but I don't need all that bullshit. I want to be my own and control and own my own. And I'm not going to have a group of people be ready to fire my dick if something goes wrong. That's, I'm not into that. I'm not, that's not going to happen. So, or fire my ass, whichever is more appropriate. So at any rate, what I do, and what others of my ilk do, and I have some 
one of the Mr. Ozens and a major law firm. And what they do is they look at the cases and the judges. Remember, John, how over the years I've told you I'll study, I'll go into court and study a judge and see how he acts and what he does and stuff like yep. that. Yep. Well, that's what these people do since they're a kid. That's what they do in law school. This is case law. This is what happens. When you look at a major case and you say, hey, how would I handle that? How would I have handled the O.J. Simpson case? How would I have handled the, uh, uh, I, I forget what it's a Charles Lundberg case, the, the kidnapping of his child. How would yeah. I handle all those things? And that's, you know, obviously everybody that's listening to this is probably too old to even know what that's about, but. Or Charles Lindbergh, he came up with Lindberger cheese many years ago that they put on those McDonald's hamburgers, I think. Either that or he was an airplane pilot that flew around the world and stuff like yeah. that. Had sex with Amelia Earhart, and then that's how Elon Musk was born. But at any rate, you want what you want to do, again, I'm going, I'm bouncing back and forth, but that's what you do when you accomplish a lot. You learn to do that a little bit. I know it sounds terrible, but you do. Cause yourself to look at a problem even someone else has. That way you don't have to worry about you losing. Just look at someone else's problem and say, what would I do? I'll bet you that the, the, all three of you that are listening to this or a thousand of you or however many are listening to this thinks to themselves, you know, I had an idea once. I should have patented it. Now it's out there and it's working. I had that idea before someone else. Or you know someone who had an idea and it was stolen from them. Okay? You go out and you cause yourself to look at somebody else's problem and get in the habit of saying, man, I would do this a little different, or I would do that. How many times have you seen an entertainer and say, geez, like me, I say, why do they come out publicly about stuff? They lose half their base if they say political things, or if they say sexual things or, or something. Just be an entertainer. Be that and leave it at that. There was a guy named Tom Parker, Colonel Tom Parker. He managed Elvis Presley, and he told Elvis early on, I met Tom Parker, and I'm embarrassed to say I actually paid him for a session to teach me some stuff. It's five rivers, nothing, but pocket money but the point is five grand but the point is he told elvis early on look in your interviews and stuff like that don't take on political views just say hey i'm just a singer and that's it now of course in elvis's old life he was doing drugs and screwing every woman he could find and everything else but he left the persona the good clean cut guy and everything else if i was mike tyson in fact to tell you the truth i'm pretty impressed with mike tyson in this day and age I mean, I, he actually, when he kicked that guy's ass on the airplane, he said since then, I saw him in an interview the other day, he said, I, I need to be a better person than that. I should never have done that. Every one of us wish we could have done that. If somebody threw water at us and antagonized us like that punk did, yep. I wish we could turn around and bitch slap him. But we don't, we can't, I'm too old and I don't want to get beat up. And Tyson, who obviously doesn't have to worry about getting beat up too much, feels bad. He wants to be a better person than doing that. I'm highly impressed with him. And so we look at other people. What they're doing, you don't have to worry about yourself. Now, whatever business you're in or whatever you're doing, if you want to practice, like you go out, let me give you another analogy. Let's suppose something's coming up for your daughter's wedding and you got to have the dance with the brother and you're not a dancer. Well, you're going to practice a little bit before you get in front of all the people to be able to dance. If you want to go out and do ballroom dancing, years and years ago, I was doing security for a governor of a state and his wife asked me to dance right in front of everybody. And I didn't know how. So I went out and took professional dance lessons for years, ballroom dancing. Know it from front of me. You never know it now. I run around with greasy, torn up tennis shoes that are flopping and blue jeans and suspenders and a big fat gut hanging out. But I became a proficient ballroom dancer. That's what I needed to do. And so we look at what other people are going to think in your business. Look at someone else's business and think of the different things you would do. And once you realize, hey, I can have these ideas then you will realize for yourself how you can have them.
I cannot sit there and tell you how to have them. All of us think different. You're going to come up with them different than me. But what I can tell you is force yourself to do it. Well, how do I do that? Well, I'll tell you what. If you have a partner in business and he screws you out of your money and you're still in business, you're forced to solve problems. You're forced to raise money. If you've got a business, you don't have any problems. It's a construction business. And all of a sudden COVID comes along and you can't get supplies and money tightens up or it's 08 and money goes to hell. And you improvise and you make it work because you have to. You either do it or you die. That's what that's the case is. I saw something that impressed the hell out of me in a movie called Moneyball. Uh, mm -hmm. Brad Pitt was in there. It was about a ping pong tournament in Japan or something. Uh, the Oakland A's baseball, Oakland A's baseball. And uh, this, he met this kid and it, it's a story. There wasn't a guy who worked in a hot dog factory. He was a security guard and he came up with a numbers thing on how to pay people and what they could accomplish and stuff. So anyway, they tried it and they had a real good season and almost won the total thing. And I was really impressed. He was telling one of the people there, you adopt or you die. There was one, just one statement in the whole thing that caught me when he was firing one of the managers or something, they almost got in a fist fight in the hole. He said, adapt or die. That's it. Yep. And it, it, all of you that are listening had to go through a week somehow. All of you that are listening had to go through COVID somehow. You had to put on a mask to go in restaurants. You had to do that. So think about those times. Put yourself in the state of mind where something catastrophic happens and how would you get through it? That will teach you how, with the essence of your own personality and your own intellect, to be able to solve problems. Once you solve problems, then you take it a step further and you create solutions to problems that don't exist. That's when you become a billionaire. Yes, sir. Come up with ideas and concepts that people don't have, can't have, but that make good money. That's when you become a billionaire. All right, folks, that wraps up this episode, and I hope you received value out of your time you spent with us. You can even send in a question that Mr. O will take the time to answer for you. If you're a small business owner and you'd like to have a free business analysis from Mr. O, just like you listened to on this episode, send an email to admin at enigmamastery.net with the subject line, free business analysis, and we'll get back to you. We appreciate your time and attention, and we'll see you the next time around. Thanks.